Um, but you know, the real magic happened in probably the last six to eight hours of our negotiation <clears throat> yesterday. That is where we saw, you know, a good exchange of information. We saw clear, transparent explanations. And I think that there was a true collaboration between the solution finding for common problems. And, you know, I think um, it kind of begs the bigger question on a more philosophical level. And the question is, how can we as a system do better at setting the tone around negotiations that allows for more productive outcomes and doesn't necessarily reinforce or validate processes that just hurt both the sides. And I'm really hoping that for future negotiations, that's something that we can all kind of work towards. So that would be my humble ask. Thank you. Thanks for the good news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come back anytime. Um, hi, everyone. So my name is Indu Subramanian, and I am the chair of the Department of Internal Medicine. And I just want to share some reflections and gratitude. So the Department of Medicine is the largest clinical department at Alameda Health System. And we have 18 divisions and touch about 85% of all the patients in the system. And we train 70 doctors every year to do the same. And I'm saying this because I'm very proud of the department, the group of doctors who work every day to really support the mission that we have in this organization to care for the most vulnerable and often the most marginalized patients in our society, those who are often unseen. And I'm here speaking today because I have a great deal of gratitude towards our organization specifically to this, the new Board of Trustees, to our CEO, James Jackson, to Mark Fratsky, to Jeanette Dong, and to Felicia Tornabene and the entire executive team, and all those who really helped support creating a contract for the physicians that makes sense. I believe in this leadership team and their commitment <clears throat> to provide the best care for the patients. A couple of examples of this is the agreement to provide and recognize the need for patient care and advocacy time in the outpatient setting. It takes this extra time to provide equitable care for our patients. Thank you for recognizing that. I also want to recognize that this agreement really highlights the effect uh, the work that a lot of the unsung heroes are doing, a lot of the work that the behind the scenes people are doing, the cognitive specialties, such as primary care, palliative care, and geriatrics, to just name a few. That means a lot to me. And I really just want to thank you for taking care of the patients and for taking care of the people taking care of the patients. Thanks. Hi, um, I'm Benny Liu. Um, I'm one of the gastroenterologists here um, at HS and have um, also been one of the members of the, of the bargaining uh, team uh, to try to secure this contract. And so I just want to thank 
the Board of Trustees and the new board for applying all the necessary pressures for us to really get this pushed through. I want to thank the executive leadership team, Mr. Jackson, uh, Mr. Batsky, you know, for helping kind of push this process. I think this is a very momentous occasion. This is the first kind of contract that has been secured uh, by the position. Um, and so I want to thank you all uh, for that. Um, you know, with this contract, I think also want to thank Hope getting a lot of the side letters and proposals through to help support the subspecialties. So, uh, for example, getting geriatrics and getting our palliative care service uh, where it's competitive. I think these services are going to provide a huge service to the patients that we treat. And, and so, uh, you know, I think um, I thank everybody uh, for that. Um, you know, we made really good compromises on both sides, um, and so and with this uh, contract, and I think this is eventually going to lead to us being able to recruit and retain kind of the best positions to serve our patients, right? And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. We want to provide the best care that we can to our patients, and I think with Mr. Jackson's vision of making this the best you know, um, safety net hospital system uh, in the country. And I think we, all our physicians truly believe uh, and strive for that goal, right? And then just kind of lastly, you know, I learned a lot during this uh, process of uh, bargaining for this contract, right? And, you know, some of the times, you know, it felt kind of antagonistic um, and, and sides are fighting. But, you know, I just want to remind everybody, we're all on this ship together, right? We're all on the ship trying to point it in the right direction, right? And I think we need to work together because if the ship sinks, we all go down with this, right? And, and so, you know, as kind of the crew steering this, I think, you know, everybody needs to work together. We need to take care of our patients. And, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction and, uh, you know, going with the waves. So thank you. Charlotte Wills. Hi, good afternoon uh, from Zoom. Uh, my name is Charlotte Wills. I'm the chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine. Um, I'm a Highland-based physician, but it's important to realize that the Department of Emergency Medicine is actually three departments. Our department sees well over 100,000 patients per year, and close to half of those are actually not seen at Highland. They are seen at Alameda Hospital and San Leandro Hospital. I want to express, again, like my colleagues, uh, gratitude for this contract. This contract it recognizes the value of our community emergency physicians. Uh, they are sometimes unsung heroes, but in the past year and a half since I've been chair, they have delivered babies in the San Leandro ED. They have taken care of trauma patients in the Alameda ED. And just this morning, our chief of staff from Alameda Hospital, who's also on the Zoom, uh, intubated and placed a central line in a critically ill GI bleeder in the San Leandro ED. The work they do is invaluable. The care they deliver to these communities is irreplaceable. This contract allows us to sustain a robust and talented workforce and indeed to grow that workforce. Uh, as the former program director, a third of our graduating seniors this year will be going into some flavor of position in these community hospitals. This contract allows us to sustain this pipeline and to continue delivering outstanding patient care, not only to Oakland, but also to Alameda and San Leandro. So again, I just want to extend my gratitude to this executive leadership team, and most especially Mr. Jackson and my partner in crime this past year and a half, Dr. Tornabene. So I look forward to partnership in the Department of Emergency Medicine, looks forward to continuing to serve our community. Thank you.
And Anshal Prakash, Prakash, sorry. Dr. Prakash, you're, you're on mute. You did, I know, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, hi everyone, my name is Anshal. I'm another member of this physician bargaining team and I'm one of the anesthesiologists here. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much to this leadership. Thank you so much to the negotiation team particularly. I know we spent a, over a year, but I've only been at Alameda for a year. So the last year really listening to us and taking the time to understand our work. I know that the anesthesiology bits of the contract were particularly difficult. Thank you, especially Dr. Tornabene for the back and forth dialogue we had into the very early hours of the morning yesterday or this morning, I guess. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. The physicians we represent really love what we do, and we have a deep commitment to this really special community that we serve. So thank you so much for sharing that passion. We really felt that last night. And that's everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. It was really kind of you to take the time to come and speak with us. Uh, I know how challenging all this has been uh, for all of you, and know that we Love you, and you're in our hearts on Wednesday. Uh, so with that, uh, next item that we have on the agenda is we need to um, organize ourselves in terms of the committees a little bit here. Just bring up my, uh, do you have that list? Yeah, one moment, please. So um, the first thing we need to take care of is um, filling out our um, executive team or, or, or leadership team. Uh, and um, if I'm not mistaken, we did have a volunteer to take on the role of um, board secretary treasurer, did we not? I haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, I'm nominating uh, Trustee Fox to uh, round out our executive board as our secretary treasurer um and i would like to hear a motion that we uh, consider that motion for trustee second the secretary treasurer second could we have a so moved by Bouquet, seconded by garrett yes correct excellent um trustee Bouquet. aye trustee fox stay <laughs> trustee friedman aye trustee garrett Trustee signed aye and trustee slendori is not here i apologize uh we, the motion does pass um, Chapman. 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 Chapman is on the Zoom. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, 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 she can only participate as a member of the public. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, congratulations. And condolences. Yeah. And moving on, we had an eye test. Um, what's the first? No. It's a little tight. But some of our committees need a little more uh, representation. Um, essentially, in order to be sure that we have um, sufficient coverage, we would like for, for finance and um, quality to have four board members uh, to make sure that any given meeting we have the two that we need so that we have the, the quorum to, to move forward. 
chair site, I believe it's audit and compliance. Could I go ahead and just have yeah, a list? Absolutely. Yeah, and sorry, I'm just starting over. I'm having difficulties anyway. Maybe we've already fixed these, but I just want to make sure we understand. <laughs> So, finance, uh, we no longer have Jennifer Steen, obviously. Um, we have myself, I'm on that committee as well. We have, we have funders on the committee, so yeah. we're good. Okay, let's review this together. Human resources, um, which meets quarterly, has four. Okay, got that. Quality committee. Another body. This meets monthly, so it's a little bit more of a commitment than some of the others. Um, and uh, I could assign someone or someone to volunteer. We much prefer that someone volunteered, and I can tell you as a commercial, having participated now for a year, um, our chairperson does a marvelous job, and he's actually made it even more efficient. And I can guarantee you that he will be. Uh, Amazed by how efficient the meeting is, it doesn't run long, and it's really quite interesting. Um, are, do we have any volunteers? <laughs> I'm already on. So You're already on. <laughs> and remember, we are going to, as soon as Supervisor Miley acts, we'll have another member, and we can re readjust this uh, and make it seem a little more fair. Uh, but clearly, some trustees are making much greater commitment to this committee work than others. Um, and we all need to, you know, pull our weight, so to speak. Okay, so we have a rock paper scissors. <laughs> I don't have to do that now, it doesn't require a vote, so I don't necessarily do that tonight. Let's move on. I'll do audit. That's what you did. Was there an audit? Yeah, there was an audit. Right. And that isn't so off. Did so that get taken? We're going to roll down to that. Oh, it's right there. Oh, it's right now. Okay, that'd be awesome. I mean, if, if one's needed, I'm happy to help. Okay. Until, until Supervisor Miley. Right. Gives yeah. us our ninth. Right. Gives us our ninth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most fun committee. Thanks, Greg. You'll enjoy yes. it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're excited. Sure. Deeply engaging. Okay. It is. Okay. Are we good? Or we have more work? Those are the only two. Right. We're just down to the end. That's quarterly, right? The yeah, that's quarterly. Yeah. Yeah. Not very big. Okay. Uh, Thanks very much. Just uh, now we're going to move on to item B, uh, the Chief Executive Officer's report. I'll leave that to you, Mr. Jackson. Thank you very much. Chair Sign. Rana, will you drive for me? I will. Let me get this. I will just take this moment to acknowledge the uh, the fact that we did get a contract and I'm I'm terribly proud that we were able to work collaboratively at the end of the day. And I'm I'm humbled by the, the generosity of the comments tonight and um, I'm looking forward to working in collaboration with our physicians on a going forward basis to be that best organization that our patients deserve. Um, thank you. Um, 
I have started this way in the past. This is a letter that we received from a grateful family. I will not read the entire letter to you, but certainly it'll be um, available to you. But there were a few things I wanted to highlight. Um, this is uh, the daughter of a person who received care from us and ultimately expired um, while she was here. And But she noted at the very outset, it was great speaking last night, and I appreciate your expression of condolences regarding the past of my mother. She was treasured, cherished, and loved by all of our family and those who knew her. I want to thank each of the staff and all who assisted our family and my mother earlier this year during her hospitalization at Alameda Hospital. <coughs> Moving down the page, Dr. Taft Bouquet, Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology, was exceptional. His dedication, <laughs> knowledge, communication, and kindness extend to my mother and our family during the most critical time of her medical challenges during the months of February and March. Our sincere appreciation and gratitude to Dr. Bouquet and his entire medical staff and team who assisted in those critical moments of our hospitalization. And then moving on, um, extending sincere thanks to all of the staff in the emergency response. And I believe she means the um, emergency department and extension. The firefighters, paramedics, ambulance crew, emergency room physician staff and security staff exhibited professionalism, calm, kindness, and care for my mother throughout her hospitalization. <coughs> And then in regards to Jan and her team, please know that you and your patient assistant staff were exceptional in your calm and helpful manner that you assisted and helped me to navigate my mother's care during this time, including the excellent support of the social services, the chaplain and palliative care team on site throughout the time of challenging decision making and considering various treatment options and healthcare determinant decisions, considerations and options. Again, thank you for each and every one. My sincere heartfelt appreciation to every individual and every resource that supported my mother, me, and our family. So um, it, I think, harkens back to some of the comments that we received from the physicians earlier. Um, and this is why we're here, this sort of um, caring for folks during their most difficult times. And so again, humbled to be able to lead this organization. Next slide, please. Moving through the pillars, we'll start with our quality care pillar. Um, and our objective is to provide safe, timely, effective, efficient, equitable, and patient-centered care that's accessible to all. And uh, the next slide, please, is you've seen before this report, which is the ambulance patient offload time. So it's the APOD, and this is for December that just passed in regards to the John George Psychiatric Hospital. Um, next slide, please. Happy to report um, that we are moving in the direction of goodness. So you can see, and it's very small, and I apologize for that, but at the far left, that was July of the, this fiscal year, so the beginning of the fiscal year, and we were at 65 um, minutes for the offloads. And then, as you can see, it trended down. In August, we were at 54.4, and then, or excuse me, 64.4, but then in September, it went to 54.7, October 53 even, November 48, and then in December down to 42.6. So over a 20 minute drop in a six month period of time. So really trending in the right direction. I, I think that's a testament to the work of Dr. Beatty and to Patty Espeseth and Rodney Delaney, the leadership team, the, the triumvirate there at John George. And so again, this is exactly what we hope to see. And um, I can tell you that County EMS is very, um, they're very much aware and very much appreciative of the progress that they're seeing with the APOT times for all of our facilities and specifically here at John George. Um, Dr. Tornabene, just putting you on the spot, anything you'd add or anything you'd like to elaborate on? No, not at all. Very good. Thank you. 
Um, next slide, please. Community Connection, our objective is to be an anchor in our community and align our services to deliver a comprehensive continuum of care by providing needed services and being a trusted partner in this community at large. And um, the next slide is really, it's a photo because I think it's beautiful. And as you can see, we now have the permanent sign up um, for the Wilmachan Highland Hospital campus. And so this was a long time coming, but I'm just really pleased and proud that we can honor the late supervisor and all that she has done and her legacy will live with us forever. Next slide, please. As you are all well aware, it is Black History Month, and um, we have a very robust series of events that have been taking place over the course of the month or mid-month. Um, I'm really proud of our BEAN, which is the Black Employees, Alice help me, BE Allied, Allied Network. Network. Thank you very much. Thank you, Trustee Bouquet always. Mm -hmm. Got my back. Um, but yes, yeah, so the Bean has done an amazing job of putting on a series of events throughout this month. Um, there was, there were, we have an employee who actually is an author. She's written a book, and so we secured a number of copies of it, which were then distributed to staff um, across the system. Um, and next slide, we have coming up the the Bean on the left. You can see that there tabling events um, throughout the month, and it's really small, but there are events every week throughout the month that Bean is sponsoring. And on the 25th of this month, we will be participating in the Black Joy Parade, which is um, sponsored by the City of Oakland. And so Alice Kenner is with us this evening, but she and the PACE team, I think, have done a nice job of working with the Bean group to put together um, a contingent that will be participating in the Black Joy Parade. So. Um, any details, Alice, that you care to share? Uh, it's our first time participating. We're really excited. And uh, we have over 60 people that have already said they want to be part of it. So we hope that everyone comes out and shine. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, trustees, we welcome your participation if you're available to do so. But again, just um, really pleased with the level of engagement of the, the Bean Group and working closely with us to make sure that we. Um, appropriately acknowledge this uh, month of celebration. Next slide, please. This gentleman is um, a, his name is Jamal Miller. He is a Chief Administrative Officer with Common Spirit Health, and he is going to be featured on the 22nd at a panel discussion that's taking place here at um, the Wilmachan Highland Hospital. And you can see the other participants, myself, um, Ro Lofton, um, our Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Administrative Officer, Dr. Evan Rusoja um, and Joseph Peters from Health Path and July James also from Health Path will be participating on this panel. And this is sponsored by, again, the Bean and um, the Health Equity, Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Committee, also known as Hetty B. So that'll be taking place. Um, it begins at five o'clock on the 22nd and the program is from six to seven and there will be a book signing of Mr. Miller's book um, to follow. Next slide, please. This is um, something that I'm really pleased and proud about and happy to share with you. And as you can see from the slide, and this is from um, Debbie Roisman, who is a certified nurse midwife here with our OMG department. And she is the centering clinical director and in-house trainer. And as you can see, AHS has been um, officially certified as a centering system by the Centering Healthcare Institute. It's really cool because 
we're the first. As you can see, midway down the page, we're the first Centering Certified System, um, which is a testament to the transformational work that AHS is doing in the centering arena. Um, so we're really proud about this. This means that we have met the high standards of the centering model fidelity, which the Institute has set to provide the evidence-based benefits of centering to our patients. And it acknowledges our commitment to the growth and sustainability investment needed to transform our perinatal care into an opt-out centering model. So I'm really pleased and proud to be able to share that with the trustees. Next slide, please. Congratulations on that. Wow, that's excellent. Thank you, Trustee Garrett. And this is the actual certificate. So um, really just, again, outstanding work by the team. And I think it um, is emblematic of the cutting edge work that is being done around centering and the beloved program is really kind of the focal point of that. But um, it, we know that a rising tide lifts all boats and we think that this will have applicability across um, all of the different um, ethnicities and groups that we serve. Next slide, please. I love it as a world-class program. Thank you. Agreed. Staff and physician experience, um, we value our physicians, clinicians and staff, and seek to grow, engage, retain, and empower them to serve all. Um, nothing will exceed what was shared during the open session um, earlier, So, but I would like to take a moment and just acknowledge somebody who is transitioning from the organization. Next slide, please. And that would be Michaela Hayes. I think you all know Michaela. She's been with our foundation um, this is her second tour of duty, if you will. Um, she started um, in the years previously. She consulted and then joined the team as a member of the development team. And we were excited to have her come back in her capacity as a vice president. Um, you can see some of the critical elements of work that she's led during the past three years that she's been in this capacity. She is um, moving on and plans to move into consulting and we fully expect that she will remain engaged with us. But I wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge Michaela to this board and to thank her for her service. And um, we will continue to benefit from the work that she's done for us. Next slide, please. And uh, those two rowdy looking gentlemen um, were part of our class, our trash pickup this past weekend. Um, Alice, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we collected 17 bags of, of trash that um, in the immediate neighborhood. And if you go to the next slide, you can see the, the group that came out. Um, that is not an in everybody, but that's the majority of folks who came out. We had some students from Bishop Dowd High School who were there with their father, who their mother is a, one of our nurse leaders, and they came out. And um, obviously, we had some other of our staff who participated, including uh, Mark Amy and the PACE team were there. So, um, a great time was had. It was reasonably good weather, and we, I think, made a difference in there. But I had some pretty neat interactions just walking the neighborhood, and folks were, they wanted to go, who, who are you? Why are you doing this? And so it was a great opportunity to just check in with them and let them know that, you know, we, we want to be good neighbors and that we are grateful for them, you know, being a part of this neighborhood with us and that we want to make sure that we do our part. So it was, it was a good day. Next slide, please. Um, rounding, you've seen the slide before, the numbers are the only thing that's really changed, um, but I, I will tell you that I find rounding to be probably the most impactful thing that I, that I do in my role as CEO. And I wanted to share some remarks from an individual who I met with yesterday um, during rounding. She's one of our social workers. Her name is Camilla Baum, 
and she's a care management social worker here at the Wilmachan Highland Hospital. Um, when I rounded with her yesterday, she inquired, you know, of me, how is social work seen from an administrative perspective? And then she offered what I thought were some very thoughtful insights as to how we can uplift the critical role that social work plays in the continuum of care and how we as an organization can optimize their work to the benefit of the folks that we all serve. She then took me out and introduced me to some of the members of her unit. It was kind of funny because I walked out and I introduced myself and they said, oh, James Jackson, we were just talking about you. And I said, really? How so? And they said, well, we were talking about Clapsy. And I said, well, that's not usually the thing that I'm associated with, but okay, tell me more. And they were just really, they were <coughs> proud about the improvements that we've seen in managing Clapsy. Their unit has not had a Clapsy in over six months, I believe. And, um, and they were just, I think, reflecting on the fact that it's clear that we as an organization have made this an imperative. And they were, you know, I thought it was fantastic because they were looking at the key metrics that we have on our quality scorecard and they were re reflecting how they were contributing to the achievement of those things that are most important to our patients. So it was really kind of great. But in regards to Camila, I just wanted to acknowledge that I think she's the epitome of why I round and I'm grateful to her for her service as well as for her candor during our time together. Next slide, please. Sustainability, we will pursue innovative approaches to invest in new programs while managing targeted investment in infrastructure to support the delivery of high quality care. And uh, next slide, please. Um, the farmer's market has been, I think, a resounding success. And so, you know, my thanks to Roe Lofton, um, Ethan um, Torrance, um, Jeanette Dong, and others who really have sustained this and made it, I think, something that is going to continue to grow. Um, we have changed the dates for the farmer's market here at the Wilmachan Highland Hospital. It's going to move to Mondays at the same hours from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this is to ensure an array of seasonal vendors can be present to accommodate current vendor participation. And um, the very bottom of that page, the market is aligned with our health, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and belonging principles, as well as our strategic plans, community connection pillar. Um, and the market features 75% of BIPOC, uh, the Black, Indigenous, and People of Color farmers. So really um, allowing them, frankly, to sustain themselves and continue to do the important work of eradicating food deserts and making sure that people have um, good food to eat. Next slide, please. I promise I'm getting to the end. Um, I did want to acknowledge this, and um, this is about the go live for the Epic Community Connect um, for Healthcare for the Homeless. So we've talked about this before, but we have the opportunity via Epic to extend our license to other organizations. So we've talked a lot about this, but this is the first time we've actually operationalized it. So Tuesday of this week, we went live with um, the Healthcare for the Homeless program being on our version of Epic. And so um, really wonderful partnership with Healthcare for the Homeless. And um, we are just excited for what this portends for this community. We are, we continue to be in conversation with Behavioral Health, with Santa Rita Jail, with um, St. Rose. And uh, so we hope that this is just the beginning of a number of other organizations that will avail themselves of our version of Epic so that we have continuity. And I am informed by a conversation I had with um, Trustee Bouquet many, maybe three years ago, um, when we talked about, because I said, Epic is Epic, right? If an organization's on Epic, it's fine. 
And what he made clear to me was that, you know, one version of Epic is very distinct from another version. And so when a provider has to go in and essentially rebuild a profile, that's taking away from clinical time. They cannot be good clinicians if they're spending time rebuilding profiles. And so it was very impactful to hear that. So thank you, Trustee Bouquet. And I think that it has served as well as we have really tried to persevere and to push our Community Connect um, implementation out. So um, grateful for Mark, Amy, Kevin Shorten, and the folks in IS who've made this happen. Mm -hmm. Trustees, that's the end of my report. I'm happy to take any questions or comments. Uh, if I may, sir, uh, the Chair. I think that's exceptional work that, uh, thank you to Mark. I see Mark online and his team because uh, I'm very aware from our being a community health center, the importance of connecting community organizations that serve this population and connecting them to EPIC and to that information. It provides them necessary resources they need to understand their patient, their population, how to manage them better. And that connection just, just strengthens the safety net that supports all unhoused and, and other vulnerable populations. So I wanna, I think, congratulate you all on, on a very important initiative. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. We're on day two of the go live and it's going very well. So thank you. Good job on the trash too. Yeah. <laughs> and if I may ask one question, Mark, I'm a little concerned because we did have a uh, cybersecurity incident at our health center. I, I, I'm assuming that all the protocols have been put in place to ensure the security of the system. Absolutely. You know, I, I say absolutely. And that, of course, uh, uh, immediately puts you at risk. Um, we have made the system as secure as we possibly can. We have a, an a uh, outstanding CISO and we're you know, taking, of course, all of the precautions we can. We've worked uh, very closely with the county uh, health care for the homeless and specific in the county in general on that. And so uh, you know, we're taking all the reasonable precautions we can. Um, I'm also going to comment that I was in competition with uh, James on uh, trash pickup, and I do believe he edged me out on the number of bags of trash picked up. <laughs> I just grabbed all the heavy stuff. He, he can talk trash, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg, now that you're on the audit committee, you'll get to do a deep dive every meeting on cybersecurity. It's one of the oh. main things we talk about. Oh. I actually have an interest in that. Yes. All right. Yes. You're in the right place. Well, well, there was a story on NPR this morning about the Children's Hospital in Chicago that's not been able to access their data for several weeks. It's chilling to think about that. Yeah. We were shut down for two weeks. Really? Mm -hmm. we, we had to find alternative ways to access our system for two weeks. Yes. It was very disruptive. In St. Rose, had about a month or two months of disruption. Yes. Brutal. And brutal patient care to, to humanize that that's thousands of appointments that were canceled and have to be rescheduled for people that are already waiting three weeks three months or more for an appointment so i want to humanize what it means to be shut down uh it's, it's tremendously impactful uh to members of the community and in all medical dental and behavioral health people with abscesses waiting for treatment people with mental health conditions it was it's very disruptive so i want to humanize what it means to be shut down like that. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, as a CIO, it's uh, uh, virtually my worst nightmare would be a cyber event with a ransomware or something else broad like that. And, uh, you know, um, through a lot of hard work from our cybersecurity team, as well as our compliance and legal team, they do a lot of work uh, uh, to support us in this, as well as, frankly, the funding from our budgeting team, our finance team. We, you know, we need the tools and uh, staff to do this. We've been uh, very fortunate. And 
Also, transparently, a certain degree of luck that comes into uh, where, where you're targeted, which organizations are. I know a couple of uh, organizations down in San Diego just recently that have had severe um, ransomware uh, attacks just recently. And you are you cannot overstate the, imp uh, the impact to the patients uh, when something like that happens. If I may, to the doctors who presented um, regarding the contract, I just want to just say from my chair and from I can't represent the whole board. I would just like to say from my my experience, we are all on this boat together. It uh, The role of the providers is essential <laughs> and <clears throat> the value we have for the providers. I know myself, I know the other trustees. I just want to compliment you all on the amazing work you do. And as difficult and adversarial as it may feel, uh, having managed similar negotiations at the clinic level, um, it is never adversarial from intention. It's the unfortunate reality of having the business mixed with the social service, the public health mission. And it's, it is tough to have to, it's, it's tough to have to be in those situations where it feels adversarial. But I know just from the gentlemen and women on the board trustees here, it's, it's, the intention is, is, is with the most sincere appreciation for you all. Thank you. Okay, speaking of sincere appreciation for our clinical staff, we're gonna move on to the medical staff reports. First from the AHS Medical Administrative Diet, so Dr. Lee Rodolph, our Chief Administrative Officer, and Dr. Monaco. Dr. Lee. Happy Valentine's Day and Happy Lunar New Year. The uh, AHS and Alameda Hospital Medical Staff had a combined session last month, so uh, we're going to do a combined presentation. I'm going to ask Dr. Nikita Joshi to go first. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, and uh, like uh, Dr. Lee said, and what we have been doing for the past several months is combining our open session. And the goal primarily is to combine um, the physicians and the med staff to understand these clinical issues that truly cross the system and so that we are approaching things efficiently and effectively. And, you know, not quite related to union negotiations, but in the vein of trying to work together in ways that benefit our patients. So uh, for the report, the first point, which is really first and foremost, because of how important it is, is the Alameda Hospital future. Uh, we have been um, welcomed and attend regular meetings about these strategy meetings. Um, Mark Kraske has led numerous of them. They have been going really well. We were excited that in the last month, the presentations have included the options that will preserve acute care beds. And now we are looking at understanding how to make this proposal work financially speaking, um, how to make it work clinically to really benefit our patients. Because what we do feel strongly with the med staff is that the patients within the Alameda Health System need acute care beds, need access to acute care. Um, and so what we can do, especially with regards to maintaining transfers and elective surgery and understanding what these metrics mean, not just for Alameda Hospital, but also for the system is our next priority. So we continue to be engaged and are grateful to be included in those meetings. Uh, in terms of what we would like our med staff to focus on, 
we really want 2024 to be and focus on our patient quality and throughput metrics. So we are focusing on having our MEC agenda focused on that specifically so that when we meet, we are using our time effectively. We truly want to have a better and deeper understanding of what drives length of stays, such as how is it impacted if we have or don't have resources available, such as echocardiogram at Alameda Hospital. Um, what does that do to length of stay when we have reduced operating rooms or have to transfer for operating rooms? So those are just some of the examples of what we see and how we'd like to understand the impact for length of stay. Uh, we also recognize that we have opportunity to improve our metrics at HS, especially by the ones that are identified in the True North metrics. We are committed to improving our patient experience. We'd like to do that by improving our ability and our communication skills with our patients, and especially those who are non-English speaking. With regards to the operating room, we are excited that Dr. Laura Lang, who is our Chief of Anesthesia and Head of our Perioperative Services Committee, has started a new committee that is Operating Room Committee Standardizational Processes. It's interdisciplinary and system-focused, meaning that it encompasses all three of the hospitals. That will give us a greater understanding of our operating room facilities, capacities, and opportunities with regards, for example, to block times, which services operate at which hospital and why, and also the threats and impacts to patient safety and length of stay. We believe that is critically important, not just for understanding Alameda Hospital strategy, but for the system as a whole. Uh, one final thing I want to add before I finish my report and hand it over to Dr. Lee to continue the report is that we have identified an opportunity which is for a need for occupational health department. Currently, H AHS employee health is not accessible to the employees, to the physicians, I'm sorry, unless they are directly employed by AHS. So for example, AHMG employee physicians are not able to access AHS employee health. What this has done specifically is made it difficult for physicians to be compliant for yearly um, vaccinations, such as our annual flu vaccine and our annual TB testing. This has put a burden on the physicians and it impacts um, our ability to take care of patients. Um, so what we were hoping is to open the dialogue of what an occupational health department could look like and the services that it could provide. And I'll now turn the report over to Dr. Lee and I can answer any questions at the end of her report. Thank you, Dr. Joshi. So I'll continue our report. Um, our next uh, key point is in utilization management. Um, this is a medical staff committee and uh, utilization review is a requirement for hospitals that participate in Medicaid and Medicare. The medical staff committee has developed standard work for review of services, such um, as patients are admitted and during their hospitalization. It is very important that they this committee um, has the ability to generate reports um, so that they can oversee this process and be able to ensure compliance with Medi-Cal and Medicare requirements. Um, for medical staff governance, the medical staff has added two divisions of acute care surgery and vascular surgery to the Department of General Surgery. These services currently span Highland Hospital, San Leandro Hospital, and acute care surgery is at Alameda Hospital. They're staffed by our general surgeons from UCSF and our community surgeons. Organizing these divisions will allow for collaboration across hospital sites among surgical services to streamline quality care and standard work for operating room teams and staff. 
Next, I want to highlight our uh, depart our chair searches. Um, we've added the Department of Ambulatory and Preventive Medicine chair search, as well as the Department of Pathology to our medical staff chair searches. Um, this is in addition to our ongoing chair search in the Department of Obstetrics, Midwifery and Gynecology, and Radiology and Imaging. The Department of Psychiatry has obtained a, a candidate who is due to start um, his uh, as chair in, later this year. Um, this was out of a comment from QPSC, but I just wanted to point out that these are seven chair positions out of our 11 departments that have turned, that there are seven chair positions out of our 11 departments that have turned over or are currently under development in the last two years. And I really want to emphasize the critical and yet large role that our department chairs have um, when it comes to um, navigating, interpreting, safety aspects of their departments um, into operational standard work. And this is all while they're also performing patient care themselves. Um, going on to our department reports, the Alameda Hospital ED department report. Uh, Dr. Wills gave a report on challenges that the Alameda Hospital and San Leandro Hospital ED physicians face with access to specialty care consults. Specialty care can be limited and is variable at these two hospitals. Um, the schedule is sometimes not very accurate. The ability to transfer patients to Highland where specialty care can and usually is available is hindered by the availability of our ED beds and inpatient beds at Highland Hospital. The Alameda Hospital Medicine Report was given by Dr. Lowry, um, who noted that the patient experience as queried through HCAPS suggests that discharge planning and communication are, is an area of improvement. And our Pathology and Lab Medicine Report, um, a shout out to Dr. Ng for her 21 years at AHS. Uh, she is retiring toward the end of this year. As chair of the pathology and lab medicine department, as well as lab director and transfusion service director, she oversaw the growth of AHS laboratory services as it expanded to all satellite clinic sites, San Leandro Hospital, Alameda Hospital, and its current volume of over 1.5 million tests annually. The department continues to demonstrate exemplary quality and reliability and maintenance of rigorous state accreditation standards. That is the completion of my report, and uh, Dr. Joshi and I are open to questions. Thank you, trustees. Uh, on the subject of uh, AHMG physicians not being able to access occupational health services from AHS, would it be possible for AHMG to buy those services from AHS? Uh, it just seems to me that would probably be a lot more efficient than to have AHMG set up a separate occupational health uh, department. I think I would defer that to the AHMG leadership to see what that would look like. Um, but also just know that my comment used HMG as an example. Um, so there are many other contracted groups within AHS. For example, the AIM group, which is at Alameda Hospital, John George Fairmont, they are a contracted group. They are not directly, um, from my understanding, able to access occupational health so I believe it's um, it's a global issue in the sense that at, at its premise, it would be 
great to find a way to facilitate physicians working at HS to access occupational health. Okay, well, I would just uh, suggest that administration look into the possibility of AHS selling these services to uh, related uh, uh, affiliated physicians <coughs> rather than setting up a, a duplication of the uh, structure to provide these services. And uh, even if there were billing involved, it would, you know, eliminate when, it, when all of the, uh, all of the various entities were added together and that there'd be no additional, you know, administrative costs for the organization. Well, clearly it needs to be, um, we need to work on that. Um, are there any other questions? So, thank you very much. Um, with that, we'd like to move on to the committee and trustee reports. First, uh, Trustee Chapman with the Human Resources Committee. So we will move on then to the Quality Professional Service Committee, Dr. Bouquet. Sir, Bouquet. Yes, sir, I submitted a two-page executive summary which was included in the packet. I'm happy to highlight any of those available. As, as, as a side note, uh, we're requiring executive summary presentations, uh, which are limited to two pages at all QPSC reports. Hopefully this will create a, a more efficient model for how we present. Uh, the report's in the packet for review. If anyone's read it, I'm happy to review if anyone wants to. Hopefully everyone read it. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, for the for the entire audience, if there are some highlights you would like to share, I think. Sure, I'll I'll, I'll highlight for the entire audience. Uh, uh, I sort of made it, this as bullet points and key points. Key point number one for the evening was we reflected on quality in 2023, and and sort of had a, a frame setting tone for 2024. We certainly had some successes in 2023. We had a, a triennial uh, joint commission. Uh, uh, success for Alameda and San Leandro. Uh, we continue to improving five-year trend of safety scores. Alameda scored a, an all-time high of a CMS four-star rating, um, uh, and Beta Healthcare uh, gave us a, 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 a plethora of awards. Um, on uh, and last but not least, on the positive side, we hit 100% on our QIP, our Quality Incentive Program. Uh, which uh, amounted to roughly $60 million, which is, which is, which is a great bonus. On, on the other side, Highland, uh, who's on the same site license as San Landro, scored a one star on CMS ratings. Only 250 hospitals in the country scored a one star. So that was humbling. And, and I, it seems that our leapfrog scores have sort of stagnated at a C slash B. So I think we still have some opportunity and last but not least, we hit zero of 11 of our quality True North metric related items. So I think we have great opportunity this year. And uh, I, uh, uh, I, I pose the question, who's satisfied with the rate at which we are improving quality at AHS? I answered my own question. I'm personally not satisfied with it. I think we have remarkable opportunity and uh, uh, we have remarkable opportunity. And then how do we do it? The second item of my key points was two of our 11 quality true north metrics are currently on target. So this is better than zero of 11. 
Uh, as of the last month, we were two of our 11. Patient harm rate, uh, unfortunately, has not yet met target for 2024 fiscal year to date, so we have some opportunity there. On a positive point, key point number three, all of our AHS post-acute sites remain CMS five-star. Uh, as everyone knows, this is uh, our chief ambulatory officer there, is Richard Espinoza. And just by way of math, uh, the post-acute shock of our hospital system is 327 of 671 beds. It's a huge part of our shock. Those include Alameda Hospital Subacute, Fairmont Hospital, Park Bridge, uh, San Leandro Hospital, Rehauer Path, and South Shore. So, you know, kudos to, to Mr. Espinoza who continues to do great work there. Uh, key point four, the Chiefs of Staff gave their report. Uh, we already just heard about that. There was discussion around occupational health. I think that's a great opportunity for the org uh, in looking after our own people. Um, and uh, key point five, the invited presentation uh, for the evening was entitled Hospital Throughput, Patient Flow in Unscheduled Care. This was given by our Associate Chief Medical Officer, uh, Dr. Andrea Wu, and our Chief Nursing Officer slash Chief Administrative Officer for Wilma Chan. That was Roe Lofton. We heard about the complexity of the challenges for patient throughput here. Uh, uh, they sort of, uh, if you will, chopped up the problem into five or six different domains and tried to walk us through all that. I think this is something that we're going to continue to have to hear uh, in, in our system because we, we definitely have flow problems. And this obviously impacts safety, regulatory, it impacts our, our, our overall quality scores. And last but not least, we uh, we did the regular work of the, of the board, which was approving minutes and credentialing and hearing uh, about uh, uh, confidential uh, uh, patient issues. Well, I don't so I just reread it. <laughs> I don't want to disagree with our uh, esteemed chair of that committee, but from my perspective, having served now for a year, uh, today I'm this week I've been working on a presentation I'm doing for a hospital CEO group uh, that I'm a healthcare CEO group that I'm a part of, and uh, so I was reviewing some of the data over the past year in preparation for that, and, and I see a trend toward improvement that's really very heartening, and I think that. It's a big lift, you know, in the government, we would often say it's like you're turning up, you know, a large ship. ship. You have a lot of Navy people in the government, they think about it that way. Um, it takes a really long time to lift, but I feel like we're, we're moving in the right direction. And now that we've, you know, moved ahead on this labor issue, I think that's going to help. There's a lot of commitment to making this happen. We all take a lot of pride in this organization. And I don't think that that one star is going to be around for very much longer. I'm really confident. Um, and anything we can do to have on this board to make that happen, we're going to be doing anything to count on that. Um, are there any questions for Trustee Bouquet? Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, with that, then we will move on to Trustee Fox uh, with the report of the Finance Committee. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, finance Committee met a week ago tonight. Uh, we heard a report on, on finances uh, year to date, December 2023. A uh, report that reflects one half of the current fiscal year behind us now. And I would characterize it as a mixed report, actually. Um, <clears throat> our volume of discharges year to date is, is a half percent behind the budget, but 6% ahead of last year, well ahead. Our volume of adjusted discharges, 2% behind budget, but 9% ahead of last year. Great comparison year to year. And our payer mix, 
uh, our insured patients are 7.6% of our total patient volume this year, compared to 6.9% budget and 6.9% last year. And since uh, insured patients pay more than twice as well as government insured patients, uh, privately insured patients, uh, that's an important improvement. Might not seem like a lot, but it's a move in the right direction. Um, year to date December, our revenue is $20 million over budget, which is 2.9%. Our expenses are $16 million over budget, which is 2.3%. So net income is $5 million so far for the first six months, compared to a million dollars budgeted. So we're $4 million ahead of budget, and that is good. However, last year, through six months, we were $13 million to the good, okay, compared to $5 million this year. So what's happened is that although revenue is 7.9% higher than last year for the first six months, expenses are 9.3% higher. And every category of expenses, except purchase services, is growing faster than revenue. So revenue is growing 7.9%. Salaries, benefits, supplies, and so forth are all going up more than 7.9%. So that gives me pause about where we're headed, obviously. Uh, finance projects that cash expenses uh, are going to be heavier than deposits by $115 million. It's $150 million combined fiscal 2024 and 25. So that means that uh, our CFO is looking at and forecasting that the NNB will go from roughly a positive $50 million, that means $50 million in our favor is where it was at the end of June 2023, and it's going to go to $100 million negative by the end of fiscal 2025, and that it will exceed the county uh, maximum for five months of fiscal 2025, particularly in the spring, and wind up just about exactly at the maximum at the end of fiscal 2025. So all of that, uh, I think, should give all of us pause that although we had a lot of success financially during the pandemic years, that's behind us. Uh, and we're you know, going back to some of the same challenges we saw before. And we're, we're fortunate that our revenue continues to go up and that our collections are still strong, but our expenses are galloping compared to where our revenue is. Uh, and keeping them in line is going to be a challenge. Yeah, that's right. uh, so just that's the background that we should be operating in as we contemplate you know, important decisions going forward. Uh, we also had uh, a very informative report uh, from Roe Lofgren on the status of our nursing organization. She talked about a variety of things going on within nursing, uh, including recruiting uh, and retention, uh, the patient experience, quality, the stroke program. There's a lot going on in nursing. In fact, uh, I got the impression that managing nursing here at AHS is a little bit like managing an entire continent, you know, and it's, it's probably so 50% of the FTEs in the whole organization are in nursing. Um, but it was uh, definitely encouraging to hear everything that's going on. And I think that 
is lofted somehow as managing to keep it under control and keeping it moving forward. And that I think was very encouraging for the committee. Um, also, we had a report on grit uh, from Ms. Miranda, and that I'm not going to go through all of that, but that's mixed results. Going back to the nursing report, just one observation I have on that is that, you know, as with the physicians, nursing is a strategic component of AHS, very important. It, it's key to, to our achieving our quality goals and it's key to our patient satisfaction goals and our physician satisfaction goals as well. So I think that's something the board should be, uh, have their fingers on the pulse of the nursing organization all the time, just like we do. That's my report. You know, there is one thing I was wondering about after the meeting last week. This issue with the expenses versus the revenue, we have revenues up because we did more work. We don't get to raise our prices to most of the people that come to us because the prices are fixed in advance. Uh, on the other hand, we've experienced this tremendous inflation over the last couple of years. It's just debating now. Uh, would you say that a lot of this has to do with not actually purchasing more goods and services, but that they're more expensive, something that's difficult for us to control? It's both. Uh, because uh, more stuff. goods and services and the stuff we have to buy, we have more. I mean, we hear every, every month that one of our favorable variances is that our uh, our pharmacy revenues are up and above budget, okay? And there's a category called other operating revenue that includes things like parking revenue, which is virtually a trickle. But pharmacy is big revenue. But we got to pay for those drugs, too, and they're going up. Um, and with the, the inflation that we've experienced, all of our employees uh, and all of our all of our union representatives are out there expecting and pushing for higher wages um, and it's understandable but it does put us in a fix because we have such a high proportion of government paid patients and most of our government reimbursement is statutory we don't, we don't have the ability to, to negotiate it and it puts us in a pinch You're right of our work cut out for us are there any other questions for trustee? The other concern I have is that uh, a growth in private payers, uh, privately paid insurance, that's not something you can control. That's that's who walks in the door. It, it, you can't ration out that. So it's not like that's a sustainable area. I mean, it's not an area where you could put focus and say, we want to grow that population. It's very difficult to do. So I don't know if administration well, there's a couple of things we can do. And one is we do negotiate those contracts. So uh, we have the opportunity to negotiate with the Blue Crosses and the Blue Shields, United Health, every few years. And I think those negotiations kind of waned for several years, but we were out of contract. They, re they really got back over the last few years and have gotten some good increases. We can try to make our services more appealing to the privately insured population. We should be doing that. We have some very high quality services. We have some good facilities. And where we feel confident in them, we should be trying to tout those services. The other thing, uh, the other half of the question that uh, Chair Sign asked, I, I don't think I addressed, and that we are buying more FTEs as well. So our FTEs have gone up quite a bit, both physician FTEs and non-physician FTEs. And we have, to, we have to manage that because 
uh, you know, once we take people on, we're taking on their escalating salaries and benefits. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a bad thing if we have to you know, lay people off, people who we've offered a job and security. Part of the strategy with Alameda is saying that no way back when was trying to prove that promotion. That was part of the strategy. It hasn't really paid off like I think people imagine, although we do have more Medicare in Alameda, but that was part of the strategy. The other thing when you know three years ago when we came in the organization, the FDE count is up and we're gonna have to parcel out why and where. Um, but I can tell you we walked into hundreds of both positions, both on the leadership and nursing side. So we had to fill them. And so, you know, part of the increase is related to that really poor baseline back pre-pandemic. So um, we'll figure out kind of what's going on with those activities, but that is part of my bunch of the tour. And we have some programs, like we have a very high quality <clears throat> program in San Leandro. Um, our, I think our rehab discharges are down a little bit in San Leandro for most we should be very competitive, I think, in being able to grow that program. Uh, and we have Medicare and private insured patients that, that are rehab patients everywhere. That's an example. I would just um, elaborate a little bit. The commercial contracts that you're referring to, we, the CFO, during my first tour of duty, basically decided that it was the most prudent course of action to you know, not have the commercial contracts because you know, for I think a myriad of reasons, but one was when you're being paid less than what it costs to provide the care, you don't make that up on volume. And I mean, I, I'm simplifying, but certainly that was part of the, the rationale, but rather than continuing to fight with the commercials and try to get contracts that pay, they, they, we just stopped. And so, you know, that was hard. And I was the CAO for Alameda at the time because we had to help people in that community understand why suddenly they were out of network and we were out of network for years. And so, we now are in in network. We got a contract with the Blues um, about a year and a half, about a year and a half ago now. And so we now are a place that people can come and be in network in a way that they couldn't for a number of years. And so I think we do have an opportunity to make that known and to really amplify that. Things like the Centering Program, the Beloved Program, the amazing work that is happening in a number of different areas across the organization. I don't know that we do a good enough job of really Letting the community know. They know we're the trauma center, but we're so much more. And so, you know, things like this are opportunities for us to really start letting folks know why they should choose us. Um, we saw an increase in OB volume when we moved into this building, and that was 10 years ago now. But because we had a facility that was state-of-the-art and brand new and fabulous, so much so that um, I remember at the time they asked that we stop advertising the program because they, the volumes were such that it was just a little bit much for them. Um, but all of that to say, we can do more to try to move those percentages. I don't ever think we're going to, you know, capture the market on privates, but we can certainly do more to make the privately insured population know why they should consider choosing us. Last comment. Um, we, we are, we've got some great service lines here, cardiac, you know, is, is one of them, and others. Um, and they've never had, the, the, the physician leaders have never had a administrative partner to help them with strategy. They understand their payer mix better now. 
So we're putting in service line directors to match up with the chiefs, the chairs in those areas. And they're putting together strategies around how do we get better with our quality, what if, how do we look at our payer mix. So I think kind of the leadership structure we're putting in place and, and the things they're going to be doing, I think will also help. How much, I don't know. We'll see. Thank you, everyone. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to the consent uh, agenda. There are several items on the consent agenda. Um, are there any issues uh, that members of the, the trustees want to bring up to discuss before we vote on the consent agenda? I move approval. Second. I guess that was a no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I paused for about five minutes. You did. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Clerk, yeah. roll call on that part. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Garrett. Aye. Trustee Obagasio. Aye. Trustee Sayed. Aye. The motion passes. So with that, um, some people may remember a number of years ago, I know because I reviewed it today to use a clip of my speech tomorrow, uh, there was a film done about uh, the, the work that's done here in our emergency department. And apparently the, the director, producer, and writer found us so compelling that he's interested in doing some more work with us. And we have him here to, I believe, present tonight uh, about what his thoughts are. That's uh, Pete Nix. Uh, do we have a person on Zoom here? Oh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. So I'll introduce when you get set up. Usually sit right here. Sit right here. Okay. All right. So as as we get set up, um, I just want to say that it's a pleasure to introduce uh, Pete Nix. Um, thank you for the introduction, Trustee Zion. Um, as you know, my job is really to help tell the story of Alameda Health System and to uplift the stories of our employees and our patients. And so um, I think that what my recommendation today is, is that we listen to Mr. Nix, of course, and that we also um, have him explore with my team without cameras yet, what could be next after 10 years after the waiting room, um, what might we be able to do together? Um, so yeah. You ready already? Yeah. I needed to kill very little time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for having me here to talk a little bit about um, not just the work that we did 10 years ago, but the work that I've been doing since then and sort of my thinking about what um, what this what this new project could be. In, in the years in between making The Waiting Room and now, I completed a trilogy of films, um, basically about the community of Oakland through the lens of its public institutions. So we did The Waiting Room. We made a film about the Oakland Police Department called The Force. And we um, made a film about Oakland High School called Home Room. And that trilogy of films had tremendous impact, not just locally, but sort of nationwide. They, they went to festivals around the country, around the world, won awards. Had a pretty significant impact, were, you know, supported by foundations, through private philanthropy, and the, the group of people, not, not just, you know, the people that helped make the film, but the, the people that were in the film. So that was, 
collaboration with the community that was pretty profound for me personally as, as, a, as a filmmaker. We didn't just do the film with the waiting room, we also did the storytelling project. And I want to talk a little bit about that in particular because I think it was a project that had, we had bigger hopes for it, but what happened was the film, it, it did lead to the film and the film kind of took over and then we had to focus on the film. And then that we rolled quickly into making the, the next couple films. But um, we actually started before we shot the waiting room, which we didn't have the title. We just it was it was a film about the healthcare system. It was this was in 2007, prior to the Affordable Care Act being passed. There was a lot of questions in our country about how healthcare was being delivered to communities. And that were populated by people who didn't have access to health, health insurance. One of the board members, um, Scott Burgess, was uh, Bill Hirsch and Scott Burgess were, were the catalyst for the project. We didn't know how we were going to tell the story, and so we began just by meeting lots of patients and caregivers at the hospital. My wife worked and still works at, at it was ACMC at that, that time, but um, she, she's a speech pathologist. And she she would come home with stories about her patient population. She's a refugee from Laos, and a lot of the stories that she uh, came home with were about this profound and unique relationship between the community and the caregivers. The community has a long generations long relationship with this institution that, that I found really uh, profound and, and which lends itself to film. So I, I began thinking about how, how could we tell that tell that story, and so we we got access to the hospital. Bright Lasseter was was the CEO at, at the time. We had a meeting just like this one that, that began the process of um, articulating what the film was going to be, working out the access agreements, working out all the HIPAA issues, um, and we began with the storytelling project where we just set a camera up in the waiting room and began inviting people to tell their story. And we were surprised. We didn't know what the result of that was going to be, whether people would be comfortable talking and sharing um, in a public space about very personal issues. But what happened at the time is I think there was a lot of chatter and conversation around access, around the healthcare issue. And people in communities like Oakland weren't really participating in that conversation. It was being driven by politicians, media pundits, and, and so forth. And people just desired to tell their story. And so we we just recorded hundreds of these stories. And you, you're welcome to uh, check check them out on our website if you haven't already seen them. And we we tag them by sort of emotions, <coughs> issues, and sort of cross. <clears throat> cross organize them so that you could navigate and search if you were looking, you know, to get some insight into how people were navigating, you know, chronic disease. You could do that if you were looking for how people were expressing their faith or their courage or their frustration, their pain. You could you could do that, and, and the result was this storytelling project that then uh, we used to raise money for what eventually became became the film. Um, CJ. It was a, a, a CNA. Um, I don't know if she's still working at, in, in the waiting room, but she she became kind of, is she still there? Yeah. She she became sort of the the, the, the star of the project. Uh, I'll just show you one one of these videos with CJ. If this will work. 
sales manager for an alarm company in Southern California. And uh, one of our solicitors had made an appointment with Norman Lear to uh, send a salesman out to see if we could put a system in his house. We get a little break, but it's Monday. They're coming. You know where they are. And uh, my job was to wait a couple days and then uh, to call the customer back to see if we could close him. The first thing he said that was interesting to me was that uh, the fabric of our society is such that we can overcome any of these adversities that we're facing. Next. The last question I'd ask him was, can we go ahead and put the system in your home? And uh, he said, no, I think I'll pin my faith in the country. And I've never forgotten that. So that's what, 75? That's, that's a long time ago. In every adversity, there's a seed for an equivalent of greater benefit. You know that, don't you? That's like every cloud has a silver lining. Cynthia, I cannot live without another one of your hugs. Oh, you are so greedy. I know it. <laughs> you are such a greedy man. Oh, No, thank you. You always make me shine. You, you're the prettiest girl there is. Well, what else can I say? <laughs> Catch you later. video really kind of captures the spirit of the project and and um, it, it really got almost like addicting for me to sort of just turn the camera on and just see what happened and, and we, we got to the point where we sometimes people would present as maybe not approachable um, stereotypical maybe they, they look like they were you know, angry or, or, or violent or disheveled or they smell bad. And, and, and what we got into the habit of doing was approaching everyone and sort of treating everyone the way that we saw CJ treating all of the patients that came, came through the door. And what, what resulted was this profile expression. That then led to, that kind of set the tone for what became the film. We made the film. Um, and I went out to sort of complete the trilogy. I have since started a company with a young filmmaker named Ryan Kugler, who um, Ryan Kugler. at the time that I was making The Waiting Room, he was um, trying to get access to shoot at Highland because he was making a film called Fruitvale Station. Oscar Grant was born and later died here at, at, at Highland. And I, <clears throat> Brought him in and introduced him to Wright Lasseter. And any, if anybody's ever met met Ryan, he, he was just a special, special uh, young man. And he told told his story of what, what he was trying to do. And Wright, I think, saw in him a younger version of himself and um, agreed to help him with access. And scenes that are in Fruitville Station were shot, were shot here, shot here in Highland. He, he asked me to uh, join his company. Um, uh, um, sort of toward the tail end of when I was completing the uh, trilogy. 
was a film called uh, Homeroom, which we shot right down the street here at, at um, Oakland High School. And I'll just show you a trailer of that, uh, that part of it. Welcome. We are a part of the Youth Outreach Unit of the Oakland Police Department. Do you think it's necessary to make assumptions about anybody you come in contact with? Uh, good question. My name is Zenelson Garibo, and I'm one of the two students that represent all 36,000 students in our district. We have some cuts which will impact our students. Oh. The district spends $6 million on police. We don't really feel safe with police. It could be very triggering. I don't really feel like they do anything to serve or protect us. Let's go, gentlemen. The bell has rung. I would love for you to come to a board meeting because I don't be seeing young people. We should cut police from our schools and redirect that money into programs that are going to support young people. The time to make history stand with us black and brown students is not tomorrow, it's today. That motion was not adopted. My family is undocumented. Me being close to police means that I'm putting their life in this country at risk. We made it, we celebrated, and did it once more. The Black Panthers was founded in Oakland. A lot of things that they fought for were simple as access to education. Get it like we get it all our lives. When you've been treated so poorly by the people meant to protect you, you just give up. Get up, get, get up now. Get up, get, get up. Superintendent has closed schools. Coronavirus is different when you want to go do things. I feel like I'm putting my family at jeopardy, but this ain't over. We spread our message by standing together. That's how they hear us. Get up, get, get up now. Get up, get, get up Always remember, ain't no power like the power of the youth. This the mantra we Because the power of the youth don't stop. This is history in the making, y'all. You have had a front seat to the turmoil that's been going on for years. I feel like this is a different fire that it has been lit. Black lives, black future, black graduates, black children. celebrities that was also a film about the power of family the power of community to sort of lift up this young undersized basketball player who nobody believed that he wasn't recruited by any any colleges except for Davidson and so that that theme is very strong through, through all of my work um, it's 10 years later um, or actually 2012 12 years 12 years later um, and it just feels like it's time to potentially to update the story. Um, we're facing different issues. I, I think when we made the waiting room, there was a big conversation around access to care or universal health care, what policy was going to look like prior to the Affordable Care Act. Now the ACA has been passed. Um, we're, we're looking at a pretty profound mental health crisis nationwide. Um, the threads of all of our work 
uh, one of the first people I met here at Highland when we were filming the waiting room was a young girl who had been shot uh, outside Denver Brewer. She wasn't in class getting educated. She was here at, at Highland getting care for a gun, gunshot wound. And those connections between, you know, what gives a community agency, what gives a community uh, um, hope have to do with the connections of, the, of these institutions. But fundamentally underneath it, we don't often get a look at the people who run these systems. Um, and that's, I think, why the waiting resonated so powerfully it, is that it, it showed the, the tagline of the movie was the system may be broken, but the people are not. And CJ herself, I think, represented for so many people what they wanted healthcare delivery to look like, and, and she became a, kind of a symbol of sorts, but also not just the caregivers, the patients themselves, how their humanity, uh, I heard some, the word humanity um, used earlier, but that's the, the bread and butter of folks, how what we do. Um, so I don't, I don't know what this project is going to be yet. I think what I'd like to do is take a first step in, and um, trying to understand how the system has changed in, in the 12 years since the, the waiting room came out. We're doing a big, uh, for Hulu, a series on mental health set in New York City that we're, that we're developing right right now. I know there's a lot of innovative programs. The bridge program is, is very interesting. Um, we One of the things that we noticed when we were researching the waiting room, we started, we were in Minnie Swift's heart clinic. We were looking at the mental <clears throat> clinic. We were over at John George. We were on the floors trying to grasp how you could you know focus this this, this large campus in, in, into a film and so we would begin that process again of trying to sort of understand you know meet people um, I, I think there's a lot of people who are still here from when I was here um, and to see, see see where it leads uh, you know I have no particular uh, agenda uh, I think learning and listening is is always the first step and so uh, I would answer any questions that you have right now, but certainly the door is open. Um, I, I live right down the street. My wife works here. Um, I'm available to answer any questions that you might have or address any concerns that you might have as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I saw Waiting Room when it came out. I thought it was wonderful. You did a terrific job on that. Thank you. I've seen clips of your other films. And certainly Ryan Coogler's work, I've seen a lot of that, yeah. as we all have. So I'm excited that you're interested and passionate about coming back to uh, help highlight some of the great work that's being done here. Um, I know when you made Waiting Room, that was pretty low budget. And certainly things have expanded in terms of costs to this day and age and the sophistication of the equipment, et cetera and uh, um, what you have to pay the other people working on the film. How much do you think it would cost to, and I'm not going to hold you to this figure, to uh, to do another documentary? Are you, are you going to pay for it? Uh, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm saying. No, I'm suggesting <laughs> we'll be a partner, right? <laughs> um, it, 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 it's a range. I mean, I think you know the waiting room, I think it costs, um, Six hundred thousand. The Steph Curry movie cost four million dollars. You know, so there's there's like a range of, of um, 
and it really depends on, on, on a lot of things. Time, you know, uh, you know, an immersive. And my approach to cinema verite is that underrated was a very different type of film. Um, and you know, there's an ecosystem of foundations that tend to support these types of projects: MacArthur Foundation, Ford Foundation, Just Films, Catapult Fund, San Francisco Film Society. And I. I I've been around for a hot minute now, so like everybody knows me. I'm on the board of Sundance, and um, we're, we're not worried about raising the, the, the money for it. And, and we could we could also, we have a, a television deal with Disney, so Hulu is one of our partners, and Onyx, which is um, a new vertical within the Disney ecosystem that was started part, partly for the same reason why our company was started, was to really focus and um, give creators of color opportunities to tell their story from their perspective. So our company was kind of born out of that uh, ethos. Onyx was as well. Summer of Soul was, was their first project. They also did uh, the 1619 project over Jones. So we, we, we have lots of options of sort of broadcast partners. Um, it's more about this, what is the story and then letting the, letting, letting the story lead you to, that's going to lead to ultimately what the what the budget is, how long you need to film. Sometimes you could capture a story in three months, sometimes you need a year. Those two films are going to be radically different costs. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm missing if there's an ask here or is this informational? It's, it's well, the ask, I guess, from my point of view, is to begin a process of development. Um, and that, that would, as you alluded to, for me, usually it's without cameras, just <clears throat> meeting people, um, <clears throat> getting a sense of what's happening at the hospital. That, that then leads to um, a contract with, with the, um, I don't know if the system has changed, changed James, MOU with the county. I can't remember, recall, it was, it, when it was ACMC. But the board would vote, we, I present a proposal. <clears throat> and then the board would vote whether to, to give me access to, to make the film. And then once that happens, then a formal process of actual pre-production would, would commence, whereby um, I would come in and start to, with waiting room, what we did, it was about a six-month process where we just went around with a small camera and just started to get a sense of um, the different departments and, and um, building relationships with, with the staff, with caregivers, <coughs> the patients, it's always a new crop of people, but surprisingly, we got to know a lot of patients who are you know, frequent uh, visitors of the hospital. So that's generally If I may, um, Trustee Garrett, um, <clears throat> about five months ago, four or five months ago, um, Mr. Nix met with um, past trustee chair um, Banerjee and myself, and we had this conversation. And at that point, we agreed that you know, technically it was within my authority to, to activate this, but realistically, this is the kind of thing and the, the board needs to be in agreement that this is the direction that we want to go in. And so at that point, Chair Banerjee and I agreed <coughs> that we would ask Mr. Nix to come and to talk to the board and to present his, his vision to make sure that this was something that you as the trustees were comfortable with us moving forward on. Um, certainly operationally, you know, I will be involved. I look to Alice as the head of PACE to really, you know, do the, the management piece. If we were to move forward, somebody from her, um, Alice's team, Eleanor, or somebody else would probably be directly assigned to do the work. 
So in my mind, tonight was really about presenting the, the concept and making sure that there was a, a comfort level from the trustees for us to operationalize the process that, that Pete just described. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that context. Sure. Yeah, I guess what just strikes me is, you know, whether it's a good thing for Alameda Health System or not, and not knowing what it is yet, that's not something we decide now, but I, I, I certainly think it makes sense to go forward and explore, you know, kind of see what you come up with, and assuming that you would be, you know, open with us about what the thrust is, you know, that's fine. It's not something you want to have surprises about. And that's certainly that's that's certainly where I I come in and my team comes in. Um, and one of the things we're thinking about, and the other thing out, the thing I do think is really important is that media has changed in the past twelve years. And so, as much as we want to control, um, that's just not how it works. There are TikToks right now from inside our walls that we don't know about. There's storytelling that's happening, and I think that. Having a trusted professional um, tell that story is really an asset. And I think the waiting room did that. The other thing I'll say is, in addition to the PR side of the work I do, is the government relations side and that advocacy side. And sometimes there is nothing more powerful than a story. And to be able to talk to electeds about um, the parts of the system that are broken, it's not about the, the individuals. It's not about the people who work at AHS. It's bigger than us. And so that, that higher level view, I think, um, can be really valuable as well. So those are the things that my team is looking at and thinking about. Um, and then the other thing I'll say that my team looks at is making sure that our patients are OK. Um, we have been, um, you know, Dr. Zitter is working on a documentary right now. We've been at every shoot that happens on this campus. and that's. We just want to make sure that our patients feel comfortable um, and we don't want those asks to be coming from their providers. We think it's really important to have that third party neutral person. And at this point, we're just talking about checking it out. If I may, um, the subtitle of the system is broken, dot, 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 when it's ACMC is understandable, but when we're Alameda Health System, <laughs> obviously such a tagline has to be rethought. Um, secondly, I think, Alice, when, when I had my orientation call with you, I think my tour at Alameda Hospital, it, it isn't obvious to everyone all the in parts of the system are parts of the system. Yeah. We noticed, I, I apologize, I don't remember the Chief Administrative Officer's name who toured me at Mario, Alameda Hospital, Mario, Mario. But I asked him, I said, show me where it says Alameda Health System. And he pointed to a piece of paper <laughs> taped to the door that had a logo on it. But yet when we stood back, there was nothing that said to us that this was part of the system. I'm wondering if the film could be in some way helpful in presenting that these are pieces of a whole. I, I, because I hear what you're saying, Alice, about this being good for advocacy, being good for uh, you know, communicating the larger message. And I don't want to put a theme on you or a market for us, but it's important to tell the story that this is a system of care, that 300 plus beds are five-star rated. There's, there's so many wonderful stories to tell about the system and I don't feel 
the system has areas in need of repair, but my time here and my observation being affiliated in the clinic world is that this is um, a system in, 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 in development in, 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 in uh, trustee saying, sign said it today. He sees these, these, you know, being on the board longer than me, he has seen these movements forward. He sees the progress. He feels the progress in quality and in other areas. So I just hope if there is a story told, it's told with that understanding that the system is in development, that there's progress moving, that there's an amazing leadership team. We heard, I don't know if you were here earlier when the, the physicians and the providers spoke about their trust in the administration. I think there's a story there. I, I really appreciated the waiting room. And I, I, at that time, I, I adore, I still do adore that. that I, I think there's a, there is, it is time to update that story. And I think it's an amazing story that can be told. Yeah, well, I, I, just two quick thoughts on that, um, because there is this, this storytelling project <clears throat> component of it, I think could be a powerful vehicle for articulating those connections that you um, are talking about that people just don't understand and know about. A film can do, <coughs> a film can do that as well. Um, and things have shifted and changed. I can feel it just sort of being here, like the whole context for behind which we made that movie was just radically different in terms of like discussions around you know policy and affordable care act and, and all that that that's shifted and and i don't even think to the point of the, of the tagline the tagline is not relevant to this new project and i don't even think the title would be the same i think there's a new idea here and that's what i think i'm trying to figure out and, and yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think, I mean, for me, there has to be like, you know, an outcome, right? When you're telling a story. And you mentioned mental health. I, I, I think that is a really important to really focus on the story on the mental health and figure out how successful we are. And that this is really important because, you know, after the pandemic, and, and it is, there's a lot of people out there that are, are needing help, how successful we are. And then, where we have an upcoming as of more funding. So if someone is saying it, then I feel like now we're gonna get more support because we're gonna move some to the state level to say we need more funding. So now we're bringing more revenue. So that's kind of where my mind is, uh, you know, because there has to be something, right? In New York, the Medicaid reimbursements for Oh, great. Hey, building, are... fourth floor. ER hobby registration one. Oh, great. So, um, and that's one of the things that, that we're looking at. And that that is, I mean, I'm not an advocacy. Like, all of my film, I, I'm, there, are, there are filmmakers who are advocacy filmmakers. It's generally not my style, but the, the films have a very sharp edge to them. Question mark saying, is this how, you know, or look at this piece. This is a kernel of, a, of an idea that's powerful. We need to expand that. We need to bring more resources. Yeah, because we could use that to yeah. really move yeah. something to bring more revenue because there is, I mean, it's a big yeah. problem, right? We need more funding and we know there's a lot of crisis there. And also that there's shortage of really getting that help. And so that is concerning to me that. When you talk to young people, 
people that would, is having even a hard time getting this what, what the shortage of uh, people who could provide them things. And so well, I think that's something that, you know, I would like to see more of that. I mean, that's for me, it's important. Well, you know, I tenure, the thing that's really struck me is, is our caregivers, our, our nurses, our <coughs> physicians, our other frontline caregivers and the, the dedication that they have. And I hope that that's one of the things that whatever uh, comes of this, people can learn about. Because people ask me about Alameda Health System, they don't know much about it. And I always kind of lead with, you know, we're the people, we're the kind of try to clean up the, the results of all sorts of societal challenges and things that, that people face. Uh, and we're here for those people every day. And um, the people that actually have to do that are pretty amazing. And I'm sure as you go around, you'll find some of those people. And hopefully that uh, will be part of what we end up with. And if that's the case, I think that's a really positive thing because people just have no idea, like the, the angels that are running around you know, an institution like this. Just like it's no question. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Hi, Charlotte. <laughs> so, if there are no other questions, then. One other question. Um, <clears throat> you know, another big difference between when you made waiting room and now is now it's post pandemic. Um, and so, when you talk to patients, you know, Maybe not that many of them were here during the pandemic, but when you talk to the caregivers, like uh, Leslie Scientist was talking about, those people were here during the pandemic. Yeah, the, the nurses and the aides and the physicians, and you know, it may be interesting to be able to reflect to the community what this institution did for the community during the pandemic. As background for the whole thing, it's a big difference before and after everywhere, right? But especially for the folks that were really on the front lines, you know, saw hundreds and thousands of patients that risked their lives to take care of. And that's why I think you know the storytelling project can tap into a lot of those things that have happened in the past. Sometimes are harder to sort of reconstruct in the style that I do with direct cinema in, in the present. Tense, so to speak, um, but I think there is a very powerful mis misunderstood, probably emerging um, dynamic that has resulted from the pandemic and a lot of collision of a lot of things in our society. You know, technology, pandemic, the the, the challenges to democracy that, that that we're facing, climate change, all these sort of existential. To your point, me mental health threads through. As a theme, so powerfully in all of this, but that is that is. I'm not saying that it's going to be a film about the mental health crisis, yeah. but it is. It is going to be a starting point for me to try to understand how that has affected um, healthcare delivery, and, and so that we can keep that uh, from the center. Trustee Fox mentioned earlier the nurses and the wonderful presentation we had from. Uh, the Chief Nursing Officer, uh, Roloff Lofgren, Lofton. Uh, any film, please, please uh, pay attention to the nurses. Uh, we, we all know the doctors, we all got to think of healthcare, think of doctors and physician assistants and, and wonderful uh, 
uh, gastroenterologists, uh, but please, please, please also recognize the valuable work of the nurses. Absolutely. I mean, when they're, they're, if I may, uh, Sir Chief Medical Officer, the percent of time a nurse spends bedside versus a doctor. I mean, did, did, did we comment on that during the finance yeah. committee? What was that? Yeah, I, I can't remember the statistic, but it, it's quite high. That quite high. Nursing, that our yeah. nursing colleagues spend a lot of time yeah, Dr. Bouquet is saying 80-20, you know, it's, uh, they spend a lot, no, no, no disregard to the providers for the amazing work they do, but the, the nurses and a patient's view of their care is heavily influenced by the nurses. So I just want to put in a word for that. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, the stress level stress they level. have to endure. The, you know, I, my daughter's a nurse, and, you know, every day she went to work, and, you know, just coming home, she would go straight to the shower, right, because she's like, Looking at us, that we, I don't know what I'm gonna bring yeah. home, and then I have a 90 year old mom, you know, and so that was, you know, I mean, very stressful. So those people, so I think it's really good to just kind of look at, you know, the, the stories that they're gonna bring to the table. So um, there's no further discussion. I guess um, this isn't really an action item for us here exploring. So. Later. Thank you very much for your time and your work and uh, all of your films and all of what you're doing. I think today this is the way we can tell stories to people because we can now get into their homes in a way that you know, we could do 10 years Okay, uh, so with that, thank you. Um, thank you. We are going to move on to the board calendar and tracking. I don't know if the battery's dead, but is there anything we need to take action on with that? No, sir. I, I think this is where we kind of forecast stuff. So I think we we need to, uh, at the chair's leisure, sir, we need to discuss the the spring retreat and the planning committee. Right. Uh, typically, that's in, in, in April and a slash in yeah. October. So that should probably be on everyone's radar. Securing a place, developing uh, uh, developing uh, agenda. So we need to get a group to work on that, and we also have a. Work item there to pick up on the um, the work with our uh, consultants on the, the dive work. And perhaps that can be part of that. So um, I will recruit some help on that and we'll move forward with that. So thanks for reminding me about that. I'll volunteer for that. Thank you. Um, and so, step reports. And with that, I think we can move to the closed session. Thank you. Uh, Chair, sign. We do have, uh, Trustee Bouquet, we do have conference within Trustee Augustion. We can go last with the item. Mm, it's item, two. I think. I stock, yeah. Item. Should we go with item? Yeah, just so, so um, yeah. On, in the closed section agenda item, there's a discussion related to uh, SEIU physicians. I am a member of SEIU physicians, so I'll be recusing myself of that discussion. <laughs> okay, with that, uh, we will now go into closed session to consider the items as stated on the agenda. Thank you. So just in the order of HRD? Uh, okay. This is an off-year message for the code gray, K building fourth floor, ER lobby registration one. 
This is an off-pyramid fish for the code grade. Hey, Bill, it's for the floor. ER lobby registration one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of session there were no uh, decisions made uh, to report and our meeting is concluded thank you